welcome to this episode of Liftoff Journeys. I'm your host, Jeannie Walden, and today I have someone very special because if you follow me on social media, you might be very impressed and think, wow, how'd she create that reel? That was a great post. It's not me at all. I'm not doing any of the Liftoff social media. It is this woman on the screen, and I had to bring her from behind the scenes to the front of the scenes. So Tara, welcome to Liftoff Journeys. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And you're totally right. I'm always behind the camera. So this is a treat. Yes. So I'm super excited to pull you in front of the camera and talk about just your amazing story. Because when you and I met and you told me your story from college until now, of how you started your career and how you were like absolutely fearless, making bold decisions, taking on the world, Partially because when you're young, you don't know that the answer is no ever, and partially because you're just like a girl boss. So tell everybody else your story. Yeah, you know, I started the company. My company is Socialized Communications, and we're a boutique PR and social media agency based in New Jersey, but really servicing clients, you know, nationally and internationally. And when I started, it wasn't a plan. I had no desire to open a business. I feel like I've always been a little entrepreneurial and my parents are entrepreneurial, but I went to school for PR and for social. And my goal was to get a job at an amazing agency, maybe in the city, maybe in Philadelphia, because I grew up in New Jersey and uh, life had a different plan for me. So basically through an internship experience with Bravo TV and, and getting connected and making a lot of connections, I was able to turn freelance work while I was a student into full-time work upon graduation. So a lot of people had a lot of opinions about that. People thought I, were, I, I was a little crazy at first because I was turning down full-time jobs, but I knew that I wanted to follow my heart and I loved being creative. And so much of the freelance work allowed me to you know, juggle a lot of different projects. And that was really fun and exciting for me. So it started out with mostly just reality TV clients. And then it turned into so much more. Um, we do a lot of philanthropic work. We do a lot of startup work. Uh, we work on fun TV shows like Liftoff. And so there's so many cool, unique brands and people that we get to meet and get to experience. And uh, it absolutely wasn't a plan. I just said yes and went for it. That's awesome. Now let's talk about school for a minute because people that know me know I went to school to be a teacher, which has absolutely nothing to do with marketing, with business, with being a TV show host. It's totally different world. And I've got my story of how I ended up where I am today, but you actually went to school for what you're doing now. So my big question is how much of what you learned in school is actually relevant in the real world? You know, I loved school and I would never tell someone not to go to school, but I also wouldn't judge them if they took an entrepreneurial path and decided that it wasn't for them. You know, I, I can see both ways being very successful for me. I think it allowed me to network a lot. And, you know, I always say like your network is your net worth in a sense, in a way. And it, it you know, propelled me to where I am today because I went to Monmouth University and they had required us to do a series of internships and, and you had to scout them on your own and it was very competitive. And if I hadn't had those internships and I hadn't been put in those situations, I wouldn't have met 
a lot of people that I ended up working with and, and still currently do work with. And I don't know what would have happened, to be honest, because we can't go back. But um, it's one of those things where the networking was really important and really helped me. And a lot of the core content um, is still very useful today, but social changes all the time. And even the traditional PR landscape has changed a lot. So, you know, it's kind of crazy to say, but a lot of what I learned, we don't practice anymore, or it's pivoted and shifted and changed. I think that kind of speaks true for any industry though. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And marketing in print, and I'm looking around and I don't think I have any, but yeah. in an actual, piece of paper, direct mail piece, there's this box in the top corner that has the offer in it that tries to entice you to read the rest of the letter and sign up for whatever it is. And for whatever reason, that's called the Johnson box. I guess somebody whose last name was Johnson created it. And it was the cornerstone of direct marketing if you went to school for that when I first started in marketing, which remember, I didn't. So I remember someone was they, they all kept talking about this Johnson box and the Johnson box. And I had to on my own figure out what the heck they were talking about. Then email marketing comes along and everyone's talking about keeping the call to action above the fold or, you know, above the line where the computer breaks so you can see it in the preview pane. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's the Johnson box of direct mail is now the, you know, a preview box of email, and then you get into social and you've got to have your messaging and call to action within eyesight view. So it's, it's really fascinating that I think if we went all the way back to like the cornerstones of marketing, it's probably even when they were like etching it on a stone and stuff, um, then I think people would still believe that these core elements still hold true today. And that there's this to be successful in any type of marketing, you just need to know kind of the basic. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can think of a million different things that I was taught and I would think in the moment in the classroom, I better really like focus. I better write this down. Like this is going to be the thing that propels, you know, the rest of my career. And we don't do those things anymore. And then sometimes right. it's the smallest little things that you didn't really pay attention to, or you didn't think would make such an impact makes a huge impact. I took this one class, it was communication ethics, and it's a it's a very important topic, obviously, but in the moment, I didn't really realize how much that would impact so many decisions I make as a business owner and just even working in the world of comms. So, you know, little things like that, you think back, and I'm so like lucky to have been able to take those classes and connect with those types of professors. So now that you've got your own business, it's super successful and growing all the time. How do you stay up to speed with what a business owner and an entrepreneur needs to know? Now, I know you're going to say your network before you say that. I'm going to not allow you to say your network. What are the types of questions that you need to seek out help with? For anyone who's listening and thinking, oh, my gosh, I should start my own business. What do yeah. they need to have a leg up on? What do they need to know? Well, I mean, you need to be on top of trends. So you need to constantly be reading the news and constantly find trade publications that work for you within your industry and ask questions. I mean, I constantly still 
am on LinkedIn and I'm connecting with different professionals and I'm reaching out and asking them for advice. And I don't feel we're doing that at all because I feel like, you know, we're not all an expert in, in everything and you never want to be the smartest person in the room. We hear that time and time again. So I'll reach out to a CEO of a, of a PR agency and, and become friendly with them and, and see how we could work together and constantly, you know, offer advice from my end and, and see what they might be able to share with me. Um, it does come back to your network, but it's also about putting in the work to doing your own digging and research and really paying attention to what's going on in the landscape around you. You know, you can't continue to have the same practices and, and think that that's going to work forever. Right. We constantly need to pivot and shift and adjust and change. And if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we're never prepared for what's going to happen. So from a media standpoint, we always have to really do our due diligence and, and put the research in. Absolutely. So you work with a lot of clients, some individuals, some companies, some organizations. What is one of the biggest challenges that you see with clients that hire you? Is it getting them media trained? Is it getting them to define what they want to do? Is it getting them to stop trying to do your job for you? Like somebody <laughs> on the screen might do on occasion. <laughs> what, what is it for your line of work that's a challenge? Yeah, well, when I approach PR and even social strategy, I think of it as storytelling. And so it's really important to figure out what the messaging, what the narrative is going to be and, and how it's going to be portrayed in a way that people will genuinely care about it and it'll be interesting to them. And I think that's one of the most challenging parts sometimes is figuring out what that messaging could be or should be. And so from our end, we have a lot of great ideas. We kind of know what's going to be best performing. Sometimes from a client standpoint, they're, they have a very personal story. And so they're very attached to what they would like the narrative be narrative to be or or the way that they would think it would perform best. But sometimes that's not always true. Um, sometimes when you're too attached to something, you're blind to other opportunities that could help perform, um, make it perform even better. Interesting. So yeah. not that I'm thinking about that and lift off at all right now. I'm actually <laughs> listening, listening to you. <laughs> so how do you stay on top of the trends outside of reading the news and talking to other people. Do you feel that you're always learning new things at work? Do you feel like you've always got to try things? And when do you know that something that you were doing isn't working? Yeah, I think that's a great question. For me, I like to be super hands-on, which is hard, right? Because as a business owner, you can't really do everything. You think that you can sometimes, but you can't. But when I say hands-on, if there are, um, you know, if we're talking about it from a social media standpoint, if there's a new reel or a new trend or, or something that is a new addition to the app, I want to physically like pick up my phone and be a part of it. You know, that's how I learn best. I want to really get my hands dirty and do whatever it is the thing is. And so I think putting yourself in a place where you're actually able to experiment so you understand it, that's very helpful. I think back to school sometimes too, because I feel like the classes where I learned the most were taught by professors that had previously 
um, worked in the industry, right? They didn't just teach from a textbook. So that's one thing that I always kind of keep in the back of my head and I, I prioritize and I think that that's very important. Um, you had asked, how do you know if something's not working anymore, how you can shake things up? I think it's constantly always something that I'm aware of in the sense that nothing is ever gonna ride its wave forever. And so you should always try to think, how can I be a step ahead? Even if it's not trend related, what can I do to be prepared for a new fun transition or something new to introduce to your, to your brand? So it's not necessarily what's not working. It's what's something new and enticing that we can have ready on deck to introduce before you get to a point of, of really like a plateau. And as a business owner, when something goes wrong with a client, you lose a client or just with a big campaign, it just goes yeah. sideways. How do you work with your team to process that and kind of stay resilient and make sure that you learn from it and you move forward? It's tough. It's tough. I mean, we're all going to go through times like this in our lives. And it's one of those things where every campaign we do, we have to put our heart and soul into. And sometimes things aren't going to perform the way that you think. It doesn't mean that it's not successful. It just means that we need a different type of strategy or we need to be thinking about it a different way. Maybe we need to tap into a different type of audience. And so I think we look at those moments as learning experiences and we think about how we can go at it stronger the next time, whether it's with the same client or if it's a similar type of campaign. So we can just keep moving forward. So I can't not ask you about ChatGPT and all of the automation that's coming up. How do you see that playing a role into what you're doing in your industry now or maybe even six months from now? I think it's amazing. And that might, I don't know if that surprises you as an answer, but there's a lot of talk about this and a lot of people are worried. They're like, oh my goodness, am I going to lose my job? Am I, you know, it's a very negative thing. I don't think it's negative at all. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, there is a site that so many business owners use. It's called Canva and they use it to create all types of different designs. And it's a great social media tool as well. And they have multiple different apps and plugins now where they are really spotlighting this idea of getting that extra hand, getting that extra help. Um, it does a lot of the legwork sometimes for you and it's not perfect and it's still getting tweaked, but it's one of those things where uh, if there is an app or some way, some opportunity for someone to help you take away the things that might be very time consuming and have you be able to focus your attention and energy on the creative that's going to perform best and well, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think there's a ton of possibilities that we haven't even untapped yet. Although outside of using it for marketing, I was watching TV and seeing some of the Senate discussions and the deep fakes that they were doing where... You know, the founder of OpenAI was like, you need to use this for good, not bad. It started making me think about Skynet and the Terminator yeah. movies. And that kind of freaked me out. But so I just changed the channel and, you know, we turned, <laughs> just pretended it didn't matter. Um, so, you know, hopefully it continues to grow. But one of the things that was fascinating to me is one of my kids was working on a final and they called and asked me if I could help them with it. And I cannot help with college courses. Like I, I graduated college a long time ago. I don't know about the inner workings of different types of very specific, you know, types of questions. So I went to ChatGPT and I thought, well, I'll just ask ChatGPT. They gave me an answer and I send it to my daughter and she's like, you cannot use ChatGPT. First of all, she knew I used it because I answered her in like two minutes. Secondly, 
she told me what I didn't realize that chat GPT is only searching information that's available online. So if there's information in an actual hardcore book that isn't available online, you can't access that and chat GPT can't access those insights and information. So I think it's really going to be something that we see evolving over time, but especially in our industry, it's going to, we're still going to need that, that personal touch. Yeah, sure. no, it's so interesting. And it's, that's a great way to explain it because so many people, they're not fully understanding it because it's, it's just become such a big topic of discussion. And so they're thinking, this is it. This is the end. It can do everything. You know, it's like cars can fly. Not yet. Not quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> so but you know what? The Jetsons came out so long ago and those cars were flying. And I think if you Google it, not ask ChatGPT, but if you Google yeah. it, I think someone predicted flying cars by like 28, 20, 2008 or something like that. And so that, that didn't happen, but we do need to get some flying cars for sure. For sure. Okay. Awesome. So you were born and you were like, I need to be in PR, social and comms. And so that's been your life's mission. You go to school for it start your own business in it you have this amazing growing business where's your journey take you next oh my goodness you know somebody recently asked me this question in my family because they're like you're such a hard worker you've already grown so much you know what's the end game i don't know i don't know exactly what the end game is i am living in the moment and you know if somebody would have asked me honestly like five years ago I didn't even think that I wanted or, or had the opportunity to have a team of six, of seven. Like, we just keep growing because what's happening is clients are coming to us, projects are coming to us. We fall in love with them. I can't say no. We're very selective with what we can take on. And that's like the truth because we're a small team. But I, if I fall in love with the story and I really believe in the mission and the brand, I want to be a part of it. And so if that means, you know, in a couple years from now, we become a team of 20, so be it, you know, as far as like what the growth is going to look like, I have no idea. The other thing I'll be really honest about is that I thought I was going to stay in reality TV. I thought that was going to be it. I was going to be entertainment PR. I was going to fly back and forth to California, only work with celebrities. I lived that life for a little bit and I was like, oh gosh, I need more. Like I need philanthropy. I need startups. I need human interest. I need more. So I don't know the exact answer. I just know I want to keep growing and experimenting and falling in love with more and more ways to help brands grow and be recognized and relevant. That's so great. It's so great. And it's so fascinating, the whole reality TV celebrity world. I mean, celebrities really have such a hard life and a different view of how they process their day. I mean, even looking at the Harry and Meghan, you know, did they really have a car chase in New York City or not have a car chase in New York City? Are they trying to get attention? Um, leave the poor people alone, for goodness sake. Like, let them do. Let them live their life, you know? Yeah. But everything is under the microscope. So it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's tough. It's something that I was so infatuated with because I thought it was interesting. And then when I started really like learning about the behind the scenes and you become friendly with these people and they're just regular people. And that's just the truth. Oh, yeah. You look at it so differently. So, so you differently. do, you do, you know, so, so my dad was this like very handsome six foot two blonde hair, blue eyes, executive of a hospital, 
Um, but he was the biggest nerd literally on the entire planet. And he would be the dad that wore the white socks or the black socks. He came up to his knee with his sandals and a pair of shorts that didn't match and like a t-shirt that didn't match. And that's how I saw my dad. I saw my dad as, you know, the nerdy dad in the house that always told funny jokes and, and did everything else. I would go to work and everybody would be, you know, extremely buttoned up and yeah. good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. And it used to make me laugh, but you know what? Like I actually think that that played such a key role as I grew up in the business world, because it didn't matter who I met the president or CEO of an agency or people from the board. And I look at them and I think the first question I literally think still to this day is I wonder if they wear their socks up to their knees like my dad did. Like, I wonder if they're sitting at home, you know, having dinner with their kids and doing that, like, oh, woo, there's a trick. You know, so it's so funny to, when you when you can appreciate people for who they are, it gives you such a great perspective on just yeah. networking and, and dealing with people. Yeah, and they probably do wear their socks up to their knees. I am sure they do. I know, I know, I don't know about you, but after we shoot lift off. That night I come home and I'm in like whatever random clothes I have sitting on the couch, just like staring at the TV. It doesn't even need to be on. I'm so exhausted from one day of shooting. <laughs> like, yeah. I cannot imagine if you were on a soap opera that shot every single day for 20 years, like General Hospital and Days of Our Lives and all those places where, you know, like Marlena Brady grew up on that soap opera. Like, I can't even imagine what she did on the weekends because it's Deirdre so Hall must be like the most fascinating person ever. <laughs> yeah. Imagine living with a camera in your face. I, I, I could okay. never. Could never be the Kardashians at all for a bunch of reasons, but just to know that everything that I said was being recorded. I mean, sometimes like I, I'm nervous about fixing my hair on this podcast because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to catch that. Will Amaya edit that out or not edit that out? I don't know what's going to happen, but I, so I couldn't imagine if that was my life 20, 24 seven. So, so you love it behind the scenes, but being the inspiration because what you do is so amazingly helpful for all of us that rely on you and your team's work because you really connect people or businesses to their audiences and help spread the word that there's a company or a person out there that can help them and you know make it a, a better connection which is which is so awesome now do do you think about your job that way as you're really helping people get more connected yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, whenever I start a new client relationship, I always reinforce how much relationships mean to me and the team, because I've always said that relationship building is so important and I really mean it. And if you can find a deep connection, not just with your client, but but with their following, especially if you're representing them, when you think about social media, any of the messaging we're putting out, any of the creative that we're making, it needs to be reflective of, of not only the brand, but, but the founder of the brand, because it's supposed to act as if they're the ones doing it, right? And so finding a way to not only tap into how they would say things or do things, but also how they would create relationships and how those relationships would be managed is really, really important. So I think rule of thumb is if you can figure out how to create relationships and maintain relationships authentically, that's really how you're going to stand out. I love it. Everything you said is so great and so perfect. And 
Tara, thank you so much for being a guest on Liftoff Journeys. I'm sure your story is going to inspire so many people in front of the camera, behind the camera, thinking about marketing, PR, communications, entertainment, or even just living in New Jersey. That's right. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. <laughs>